Hello and welcome to a somber Frederick Kleisen episode of the Cosper Point Cast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. I'm just going to let out a big sigh before we begin. <sighs> well, the inevitable has finally happened, and Eric Carlson is now a San Jose Shark. I can't believe we're actually talking about this, and I have no idea how we got here, to be honest. But to discuss everything surrounding the trade is another one of my former Silver 7 Sense colleagues, Beata Elliott. Beata, how are you holding up? I mean, as well as I can be holding up. <laughs> Better than yesterday, I guess. Right. I mean, I guess I guess every every day from now on is hopefully going to get better, you'd think. Hopefully. We'll see. <laughs> Not yeah. confident that they've hit rock bottom. They might get worse. Exactly. And we'll <laughs> get into that, I'm, I'm sure, a bit later. Um, so obviously yesterday was a sad day for the entire Senators fan base. Um, and let's just try to dissect everything that happened. So first of all, the players they got in return were Chris Tierney, Dylan DeMello, Josh Norris, Rudolph Spalsers, a first, a second, and two conditional picks. And they also sent over Francis Perron um, to complete the trade. Is there any part of this package that excites you? No. I mean, I feel like we could have gotten anything in return for Carlson, and I wouldn't have been happy with it because I want Eric Carlson. I don't want right. anybody else. I mean, the picks are cool, I guess, depending on where San Jose ends up finishing in the next few years. But yeah, <laughs> there's nothing besides that. Yeah, I mean, the prospects, Bowser's and Norris, I think, are decent prospects. They're ranked third and fourth in the in the Shark system, and I think Corey Pronman put them at, I think it was seventh and eighth now, um, if they're in the Senator system. So it's pretty much like, Nor Norris had kind of comparable numbers to Colin White, so it's pretty much like we're getting a younger Colin White. So I guess that's, you know, that's not nothing, but at the same time, like you said, like, um... We wanted to keep Eric Carlson, everybody did, and I think it's just kind of baffling that they weren't able to get somebody, I mean, Ryan Merkley was their top prospect, they weren't able to get him, or they weren't able to get one of those guys um, in Vegas like Cody Glass, or Shafee, or, or one of these top prospects, Mira Heiskin in, in Dallas. Um, I just think it's, it's kind of insane that they weren't able to get somebody of uh, you know, such a high caliber. Yeah, I mean, the only explanation that I can think of is that, you know, they were really eager to get rid of him. They had no leverage. Everyone knew that they had to get rid of Carlson for whatever reason, but even that doesn't necessarily make sense to me. I don't know why, uh, yeah, why they couldn't get anything better for him. No, exactly. Um, if, <laughs> if you had to pick one player out of these four that you're at least kind of excited about, or, or the most the most excited, I guess you could say. Um, which one would you pick? I don't know, honestly. Like, maybe the younger ones, like Norris or something. But even then, like, I've barely even looked at those players. Like, I did specifically for this podcast. But before that, I was just like, I didn't want to know. I don't care. Yeah. All I want is Carlson. Yeah, exactly. And I, I remember I had looked up the Sharks prospects um probably like an hour before the trade happened just because mm -hmm. the sharks were rumored that you know it was rumored that a deal could be happening and then i was looking at okay they got norris and balsers these guys and that's the only reason why i knew who they were but um yeah. when the trade happened i definitely wasn't i wasn't excited to to see their names um and even like what do you make of they couldn't even get somebody who was i, I mean tierney did have 40 points last year but i think that's kind of like a high point for him what do you think of the fact that they couldn't even get somebody 
on the Sharks roster that was better, maybe like a Thomas Hurdle or, or Kevin LeBanc or one of those guys? I just don't know how that's possible. Like, as the Sharks, how do you get Eric Carlson without giving up any good assets? Like, they gave up a third-pairing defenseman and a third, fourth-line center, and then a bag of pucks. Like, it's completely ridiculous. Yeah, pretty much. And (laughs) it's kind of disheartening to see a couple days ago the Canadians make a trade with um, moving out their captain, Pacioretty, and they got... They didn't get the same quantity of, of assets, but Nick Suzuki is definitely the best prospect amongst all those um, those players that Ottawa and Montreal got in return. So I, I'm kind of envious of them just because Suzuki could end up being, you know, as high as a first-line center, and Ottawa doesn't really have that kind of building block piece in this Carlson trade. Yeah, I mean, Pacioretty's a good player, but I don't understand how he gets a better return than Carlson. Um, I guess... A good thing for the players themselves. There isn't one player who has to live with the pressure of being Eric Carlson's replacement. You know, it's not like right. Alex Chason with the Jason Spezza trade. Where it's yeah. like, oh, he's the next Jason Spezza. He has to replace Jason Spezza. There's nobody that we expect to replace Carlson in any capacity here. No, I think the only, I mean, maybe if if they take a defenseman with one of their draft picks, but even then, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a yeah. late first round pick or something. So I think that's, that'd be pretty... Um, that would be unfair expectations to put on anybody. Um, now, if, sure. obviously, like, the Sharks weren't really, they weren't expected to get Carlson. Um, they, they were definitely one of the teams rumored this whole time, but I think most people expected them to either go to Vegas or Tampa Bay um, or maybe one of the other Dark Horse teams. Um, but was there a team that you wanted to see him go to? And, and were, there, were there any assets that you really wanted? If I mean, obviously... We don't want. We didn't want Carlson gone, but knowing that it was a likelihood and a possibility, were were there any prospects that you wanted in return? I don't know if there were any prospects that I wanted in return because again, I wasn't really looking at what we would get in return. I didn't care about the return. It was just like which destination hurts less. Right. And I was hoping he would go to Vegas. Um, just because I hate Vegas less than I hate all the other teams, and it would be really hard to see Carlson in our division playing against us all the time, um, as would be the case if he went to Tampa. So I guess I was kind of leaning towards Vegas, thinking like, yeah, they could be a bandwagon team for me, but yeah. Yeah. San Jose's not too bad. I don't hate San Jose. Yeah, I've never really hated San Jose, and in fact, I don't think many people know this, but I actually wrote about the San Jose Sharks for a season back in 13-14 so I have a bit of a soft spot for them and um, I think they'll be in Vancouver I want to say twice this year so I mean that's one more opportunity I get to see Carlson like maybe I'll I'll see him when he's here I think in in February so um, yeah it definitely hurts less the fact that he's in the Western Conference Um, at the same time though like I don't I don't know what other people think but I've never really hated Tampa Bay either and I think that would have for Carlson, that probably would have been the best spot just because it seems like he's best friends with Hedman. That team is absolutely incredible, and I think they'd be unstoppable if, if they had Carlson as well. Yeah, I definitely think that I would have been able to watch a lot of Tampa Bay games and kind of cheer for Tampa Bay if Carlson was there. The one thing about him being in the, in the um, Western Conference is that I'm in Atlantic Standard Time. I am four yeah. hours ahead <laughs> of the West Coast. 
So, like, these games start at 11 p.m. for me. There's no way I can watch Carlson. Like, I, I can't just watch every Sharks game and say I'm a Sharks fan now. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think I can stay up that late. <laughs> no, I, and that's why I, I always say on Twitter that Pacific time zone is the best time zone. I mean, I get to watch I get to watch every, every game if I want to. I, I get to watch the Senators at 4 o'clock. 4.30, whatever, and then I get to, to watch any other Western West Coast games at, at 7, 7.30, so um, I definitely yeah. can watch as much Carlson <laughs> as I want, um, although that, that definitely might hurt. Um, so let's just move on to more off-ice stuff regarding the trade. Like, how did we even end up in this situation where Carlson is on a different team anyway? Like, how, what can we trace this back to? I don't even know. Like, it's Melnick, honestly. Um, I can't see how Eric Carlson could get to a point where he doesn't want to be in Ottawa anymore. Like, he clearly loves this city so much. And he's so important to this team, to this city. I don't see how a team could want to get rid of him, right? It seems like the only explanation is that there was a disagreement with management. Yeah, pretty much. And I think... I don't know if you saw his his press conference yesterday where he was, I mean, tearing up pretty much like and he was, um, you know, going up to all the media members and shaking their hands. Um, He's just absolute class act. And he said that he's going to live in Ottawa still and he's going to have a house here. And you're right. Like he he loves the city so much. Um, It's it's hard to imagine um, a scenario where there's a, a different owner and and he leaves. Right. Like I just it seems like that's the only reason why he, he would be reluctant to sign a deal. And I think it's pretty clear that Melnick's plan is to just cut the payroll as much as possible, spend as little as possible over the next few years, and then maybe sell the team once uh, LeBreton is finalized and, and the team eventually moves there. Yeah, I mean, watching Carlson's press conference, like, he looked as sad as I felt. <laughs> it yeah. was like you could tell that there's no way he wanted to leave. He did not want this to happen. Or if he wanted to leave, it wasn't because of the team in the city. It was. It had to have been because of management and specifically ownership, right? Right. No, exactly. And, and in that sense, it's it's pretty similar to the Alfie situation from five years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, what do you think this trade, what do you think the ramifications are of this trade, you know, moving forward in the next five, 10, even 20 years. Like, do you think this is going to hurt the fan base for a long time? Or is it just going to be a thing where they're going to take it out on Melnick and then hope that he sells. And once he sells the team, um, people are going to forget everything that happened. I think it'll be really, really hard to come back from this. Like, I think that selling the team is a good start. Like, I think that if they do sell the team, um, people will come back. They will start watching Sens games again, and definitely, like, casual fans will keep watching if the team gets good again. Um, But I think a lot of the fans have really been hurt by this, right? Like, um, watching this whole, like, saga unfold, I kept thinking, like, why am I so emotionally invested in this team? Like, why this team is hurting me so much right Mm -hmm. and I just kind of reached a point where I was like I don't know if I can care this much about this team right yeah Yeah. I I think for a lot of fans and myself included I think months ago it reached a point where it was just like it, it you can't you can't do anything but laugh right like you just 
you don't feel anything more because nothing nothing yeah. surprises me really and um you mentioned earlier about hitting rock bottom and i don't know if we've reached that like i think we could go still a bit lower so i i think that the best thing to do is just try to not take everything so so hard or harshly i guess because it's it's not going to be pretty for the next few years and i i'm expecting bad things to happen because if i put my expectations really high i'm just going to be disappointed and the, the the crazy thing is that with this trade like i wasn't even expecting much and i was still disappointed with the return i don't know about you yeah it was like that too and even like i was i guess i was kind of prepared for the trade to happen right i had several months to kind of adjust to the idea and think about what I would do if right. Carlson was traded. And even then when it happened, it was still just so devastating. Right. And I definitely feel like over the last few months, I've kind of reached a point where I'm not that emotionally invested in the team. I'm just kind of watching to like make fun of them and stuff and laugh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like you said, there's nothing you can do except laugh. I can't be emotionally invested in this team anymore because it just makes me feel sad all the time and like exactly. there's a point where I can't feel any more sad <laughs> yeah and I mean we're, we're both covering the team so like I we still have like an obligation to watch unless mm -hmm. unless you don't want to continue writing um yeah but yeah like it's just <laughs> it, it's hard to get too invested and obviously I'll, I'll still follow the team and I think I, I think if you're following the team through the hardest times and this is definitely gonna be the hardest times once they do get back to relevancy and, and are a good team again, I think it'll make it that much sweeter, right? Because um, we'll know how far they've come. And I don't know if that's going to take a few years, like five years, maybe even like 10 years until they're like a really good team again. But it'll come at some point. And I think, I think it's important for, for fans to know that if they tough it through, like it's, it's going to get better at some point. I can't promise when, but at some point. Yeah, for sure. Like, I've always thought that following the team through really, really hard times and living through that sadness, right, makes it so much better once they're actually good, right? Yeah. Like, in 2017, during the playoff run, I was thinking, like, it's totally fine that they didn't win the cup in, like, 2007 or something, because <laughs> you know what? Now it's even better. Now I'm even happier because they're first, like... Good. Like if they yeah. if they were to win the cup, that would be the first one, right? And like it was so bad for so long, and it's so much better now because of that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we'll stick it out. Yeah, no. <laughs> Most I of my like so many of my friends are people that I met through Sen's Twitter, so I I kind of can't just walk away, right? Like I'm in yeah. too far deep with this fandom. Uh, it's too big a part of my life for me to just walk away, but. It would almost be easier if I could. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and I don't really like. I'm not gonna chastise anybody for if they do walk away from the team. And that's that's you're right. Like if you're just kind of like a fair weather fan, like that's that's fine. You, the next few years aren't really gonna be that interesting. Um, but you know, if 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 you are like a season ticket holder or you have watched this team for for your entire life, I think it's it's worth it to to stay on for the for the next few years while it's tough. Um, what do you think about the attendance this season? What is that going to look like? I know somebody, I think it was Le, Le Collectif um, on Twitter had posted a picture about, oh, what was the caption? It was something about not having anybody show up to the, to the home opener. Do you think people will actually not show up? Like, what do you think the attendance is going to look like this season? I think it's 
attendance is going to be bad. I don't think we'll have like mass boycotts and totally empty arenas. I'd actually kind of like to see that. That would yeah. be funny. Um, but yeah, I think it's just going to be not very many seats like last year, but worse. I think that people on Twitter often forget that a large percentage of the people who go to hockey games aren't necessarily there because they love the team so much. Like, mm-hmm the reason why we go to hockey games, right? A lot of them are there because they just want to enjoy sports, right? They want to enjoy the experience. They want to like get drunk with their friends or bring their kids there or something like that. And I think that um, some announcements that the Sens have made recently about like how they're going to improve the in-game experience kind of suggests that they're starting to cater towards those fans a little bit more. Like, oh, our diehard fans aren't going to buy tickets. Why don't we target the people who are just here to watch some hockey? Yeah, for sure, and I think, I think bringing in those those two people, I, I for, I'm forgetting their last names right now, but I think that can only help. Um, I don't know what specific ideas they've had. I think there was that extra fan zone or something, um, and hopefully there is a better atmosphere there. Um, I will say, I am praying that when Carlson comes back on December first, there is a Melnick out chant and. I, I, oh, I, there I, better be. <laughs> yeah, I hope there's a Melnick out chant like every single game because that would be awesome. And I think the the mainstream fans, like not just Twitter fans, but other fans too, it seems like they're turning on Melnick as well, which is only a positive, I think. Yeah, and I kept saying this during the big like Melnick out movement with the billboards and stuff that um, a lot of this is about sending a message to the Sens that the problem isn't that we don't like the team enough, right? Because if you see an empty arena, it's really easy to just say, oh, Ottawa's not a hockey market, right? People don't want to buy tickets or they won't stay through a rebuild. It's saying like, no, (laughs) we would stay through a rebuild. We will watch this team no matter what. We still care a lot about this team. The problem is Eugene Melnick. This is the problem. This is what, like once Melnick leaves, it'll be fine. We can keep our hockey team. We'll start buying tickets and stuff. We want Melnick out. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting, like, it's tough because do you think that would send the wrong message? Because I think fans in the Senate, like, Senators fans would understand that, like, they would understand what the message is, is that they're doing this because they love the Senators and because they hate Melnick, but fans who are uninformed from from other cities would think it's just, oh, like, this, this market is terrible and we need to move the team, so... Do you think that's dangerous having nobody come uh, show up to the games, or do you think that would end up like sending a message to Melnick? And do you think it would be good in the long term? I mean, it's tough to say because on the one hand, um, that's the best way to get Melnick's attention, right? Like he yeah. might not care about billboards and chants. He might just go, "Oh, you know, whatever. That's just noise. I'm still selling tickets, right?" Um, but he will care if um, people don't show up to games and the league will probably take notice and stuff. And yeah, I think it is tricky um, because it could send the wrong message. People could say, oh, Ottawa fans won't stick it out through a rebuild, right? Yeah. I I saw, I think, this is probably back in the spring, I saw an interesting take. It was something like, maybe I'm getting the details slightly wrong, but it was something like have, you know, uh, whatever the capacity of, of the Canadian Tire Center is, 18,000, 19,000, whatever, show up to the game, but don't actually go inside the building. Like, don't actually have tickets. <laughs> just just hang outside 
and if they can get like a massive screen up then do that and and show the game or just you know hang out have a have a kind of party outside because then it would show okay we at least we can get the fans to the game but we're not spending money on your product that would be really cool like i like that idea um yeah it's just hard you have to find the balance between like making ownership and like management notice but not sending the wrong message and making sure that the message is very clear and that's why i did like all the melnick out stuff and the billboards yeah. and stuff because that was saying like this is what the problem is right if we get melnick out chants going then it's clear it's not like we hate the sense it's yeah yeah. Hate melnick. yeah exactly and i hope that this season it goes full force with that because i think it started around december um when the Melnick out stuff really became strong. And if anything, like this is the year where we need to push even harder and um, make our voices even louder. So obviously um, we're not living in Ottawa right now, so there's not much we can do, but I really hope that residents of Ottawa will step up and, um, you know, make it, make it known that Melnick isn't, he doesn't represent the fan base and he, He's only interested in himself. He's only interested in money, it seems like, at this point. Yeah, and um, I could be mistaken, but I think that a lot more people have started to kind of join in that cause lately. Mm -hmm. Like, when it first started, there was a a big pushback of people saying, things aren't that bad, you know, it's a bad season, they'll bounce back. Oh, they weren't actually going to trade Carlson. You guys are (laughs) all, you know... making a big deal about this. It's not really a big deal. Everything will be fine. Melnick is fine. He saved the team back in whatever year. Um, and now a lot of those people are going, oh, actually, no, this is really bad. Yeah. Um, now now for this whole Carlson trade, like how much blame would you put on Dorian versus how much blame would you put on Melnick? Um, I think I put most of the blame on Melnick. Um, I don't think Dorian is entirely absolved of blame. He did make the really bad trade. He, you know, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but clearly he wasn't standing up to Melnick, pushing back or anything. He still did the trade and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it's mostly Melnick because he's the one who doesn't have the money, doesn't want to spend money on the team, has been creating a toxic environment for lots and lots of players for a long time now. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's definitely fair. Um, that's pretty much what I had said last night um, on Sportsnet Radio. And I think that it's it's Melnick's fault for it getting to this point. Although I'm definitely not giving Dorian a pass for, for what he got in return for Carlson. And I think one quote he had, uh, Dorian, I don't have it in front of me, but it was um, it was something along the lines of, he talked with Melnick back in February, and they pretty much said that, Carlson wasn't going to be in the plans moving forward and they, they wanted to go forward with the rebuild. So if they knew in February before the trade deadline that he wasn't going to be in their plans, why didn't they just trade him before the trade deadline? Because I have a hard time believing that they couldn't get more in February when a team would have gotten him for an extra half season and an extra playoff run. Um, so like, I, I just think they would have gotten a lot less now um, than they did was it six months ago? Yeah, I definitely think that trading Carlson at all is inexcusable no matter what. It doesn't matter what you got in return. But yeah, Dorian definitely messed this up a lot because he 
certainly could have gotten a lot uh, better in return. For sure. Um, now, this obviously has a clear domino effect, and <laughs> it's sad because there's still three pretty good UFAs remaining, or um, impending UFAs remaining in 2019. And Ryan Dezingle isn't quite in the same category as Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne, but they're still, they're three best forwards right now. And, like, what do you think this means for Stone and Duchesne specifically moving forward? Are, are, do you think they're going to end up getting traded as well, maybe in the new year? I can't see why they'd want to stay at all. Like, I, yeah, I'm assuming that they're going to leave too. I don't know about Zingle. I like him. I hope he stays. But, yeah, I can't see why anyone would want to stay on the Sens at this point. Yeah, and, and Duchesne's comments from last week said, you know, he'd be interested in staying if maybe Stone and Carlson or one of the others stays. Um, but then again, I like, I think Carlson has an effect on Stone and Stone has an effect on Duchesne. So if Stone sees that Carlson's gone, I don't think he's going to want to stay. So it's just, it's not a good domino effect right now. And no. yeah, I mean, if they do end up moving them, like, are you... Are you expecting a package similar to what they got for Carlson, or are you expecting maybe something along the lines of what Pacioretty got um, from Vegas? I'm certainly not expecting much. Like, we'll probably get a few picks and prospects, and that's it. Um, I think that, like with Carlson, it's at a point where everyone knows that they need to leave, that they want out the team might spin it as, oh, we just really need to get rid of them for whatever reason. But obviously, like, they'll, they'll want out after Carlson, now that Carlson is gone. Um, so I don't think the Sens necessarily have that much leverage, especially with, like, a year left on their deal. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, it's, it's not a great situation. And pretty much when Stone was going into his arbitration, and, or he didn't actually go to arbitration, but the, when he was going into his contract talks, we knew that a one-year deal was the worst-case scenario, and of course that happened. And I don't, I don't blame him for wanting a one-year deal because now he controls his own destiny, and he can go, he can stay with Ottawa if if they're not a mess um, <laughs> in the next six months or whatever. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, we'll we'll see, right? Like I I can't imagine that happening. Yeah. And, and same with Duchesne. Um, so man, like looking back at that at that terse for Duchesne trade, like. Would you would you undo that trade right now if you could just because of that first round pick? Um, I don't know. I probably would, yeah, because of the first round pick. Um, there were a lot of other circumstances there. Like Turris clearly wanted out um, for probably the same reasons that Carlson wanted out, right? Because of uh, mm -hmm. management. So I don't know if keeping him would have been an option anyways and i like duchene but yeah in hindsight like it's pretty bad that we gave up so much for um a player who was supposed to help us win now and then immediately stripped it all down and said we're doing a rebuild yeah i think in hindsight like obviously it would have been nice to just trade tourists for prospects like like they're probably going to do with duchene um mm -hmm. but at the time they they thought that uh you know, they were going to be a lot better. And it's it's really a massive indictment on the front office, the fact that I was I had a tweet yesterday about his quote on the day, November 6th uh, of last year, talking about 
the Duchesne acquisition. And it was something like, we're moving our team forward and like, uh, you know, this, this makes our, our team a lot better. And um, he was insinuating that this team could potentially be even better than, than the, the playoff team in 2017. And then just 10 months later, 10 months later, he's saying that this is the perfect time to rebuild. So it is just wild that they're rebuilding now when they don't have a pick that is in, mo- in all likelihood going to be a top five pick, maybe even first overall. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, I remember when the trade happened and we kept saying, oh, you know, we gave up a first, but where are we going to pick? Like, we're yeah. going to make it far in the playoffs, right? Yeah. It'll be a super low pick. It's basically a second round pick, right? And yeah, just thinking, yeah, this seems obviously going to be really good. Like, we've managed to improve upon our first line center. And yeah, it sucks to keep to get rid of uh, Turris. It would have been nice to keep him as our second line center or something, but you know, we have such a good team. Obviously, we're going to do really, really well. And then suddenly they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to do a rebuild right when all of our best players are in their prime, yep. right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think, like I said all along last year, before they traded Hoffman and Broussard, um, that they had a good enough core that I think they could have regrouped from, from last year and gone into this year with, um, you know, adding a few players on the margins getting rid of Cody Cece, like getting a better second pairing, adding some better depth players, maybe adding a low-cost goalie like Peter Morazic or something. And I think they would have had a chance to be a playoff team again, but that would have taken a lot of effort, and I don't think they... I don't trust them enough to add actual quality depth players, and that obviously didn't happen. They, they didn't go, go that route. Um, but yeah, it's just... It's amazing how... I don't think an organization in any sports league has fallen this far this quickly in the span of 10 months. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Um, I mean, yeah, at that point, like we had a really good core. You can look at Carlson, um, tourist slash Duchesne, right. Brassard. We had like a really, really good team. And the problem players were often like really old players or really easily replaceable players. It wouldn't have been that hard to just bring in a bunch of, you know, newer, faster, cheap players right and make the playoffs again and hopefully do another deep run either that year or the year after that and i just it makes no sense at all that the sends would just trade away all their good players and say well because they're in their prime we're gonna get a really good return like that's not how yeah. it's supposed to work yeah and it definitely hurts because they obviously i mean the carlson and hoffman returns were just abysmal the only good return, I'll say, is the Broussard one. I mean, that's looking pretty good. I, I like Gustafsson yeah, sure. as a prospect. And they got um, the first-round pick as well, and the third. And then they end up getting a late first plus a second um, when they moved down and took uh, Bernard Docker and Tyconic. So that one's looking pretty good. But besides that, it, it's hard to be excited about um, the assets they've got for, in return for the players that they've sold off. Yeah, the Broussard trade, at the time, I wasn't happy about it just because of what it signaled, right? Like, oh, we're, they're yeah. actually going to get rid of all their good players and start a rebuild now, which is, like, the worst time to do a rebuild. But, yeah, looking back, we do we did get a good return for that if we're going forward with a rebuild. But, yeah, it's still ridiculous that we're doing this at all. For sure. Um, now, now, moving back for a sec, uh, back to the Eugene Melnick stuff, um, like, moving forward, do you think things 
how do you think things are going to shake out in the next few years? Like, what is your sense and what is your prediction of, in terms of what is going to happen? Do you think he's going to end up selling once once LeBreton is finalized? Or, I mean, he said he's going to be here for life. Like, do you think it's going to be that bad? Do you think he's going to stay until he ends up dying? I mean, I don't think he's going to be here for life. I think eventually someone will have to intervene. Like, something will happen that will force him to trade, to sell. But, yeah, I don't know. I'd like him to sell within the next year. Um, I would have liked it a lot if he sold the team, like, this summer or something. But um, I I think he might be here for a few more years, and that really does suck. Um, it's very uh, sad to suddenly realize that one person has this much control and that you're, like, so powerless to yeah. get rid of him, right? Nobody can get rid of him. Everybody on the team hates him. We're presuming, we're assuming, right? <laughs> it sounds like everyone on the team hates him. The whole fan base hates him. And why is he still here, right? I mean, it's funny because I'm a, I'm a Red Sox fan too, and there could not be a bigger difference in ownership between the Senators and the Red Sox. <laughs> like, the Senators have one of the most inept ownerships in, in all of sports, and the Red Sox have the highest payroll in baseball. I mean, they can spend whatever they want. So it is... And, you know, the Red Sox are, their owners are, have tons of money and, and are always helping the team win championships. Meanwhile, I, I can't see any scenario where the Senators win the cup and Eugene Melnick is the owner. It just, it seems impossible if, if you can't pay your star players when they're in their prime. Yeah, no, at this point you think you can't pay any of your players. And, you know, a few years ago he was saying, oh, the money will be there when it's time to win, obviously the yeah. money's not there right now, yeah. right? He's not going to pay these players, but also he's not going to build a good management team, right? Like he's not going to invest in scouting and coaching and development and all that, right? He just doesn't have the funds to do that kind of stuff. He said at the um, uh, that famous town press hall? conference, uh, yeah, no, yeah. not even the town oh. hall at the um, the outdoor game. Yeah, yeah. He was like, oh yeah, we've just stripped this organization to the bone like you shouldn't have to do that in order to pay your players yeah exactly i mean that's one of my biggest gripes with him is that the front office is just is just so bare they just have no resources and i know that dorian has been working his ass off the entire summer because i mean he has nobody especially he had nobody pretty much even when randy lee was there and then after he got suspended and then subsequently um released or, or quit or whatever um, then he has even less, uh, less people surrounding him to, to help him out. So yeah, it's just not, it's not an environment that breeds winning. And it's, it's sad. Like you said, it's sad to think how much power one, one person can have over a, a sports franchise. Yeah. Like as an owner, we just want you to pay the yeah. players and, you know, choose some people who can do the rest of the hockey job for you. We don't want you like, yeah getting involved the way Melnick has, right? Because as an owner, you don't know anything about hockey. Just yeah. just pay people, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, bring out those checks and, and then you're good. Um, but moving on, though, from, from Melnick and everything, let's, let's end on a positive and, I guess, bittersweet uh, kind of note here by talking about what Carlson meant to the Senators and the city of Ottawa. What will his legacy be years from now and even now? I mean, he was 
probably almost undoubtedly the best player this team has ever had, right? This is the first time that we've had an actual superstar. I mean, obviously we had Daniel Alfredson, but he wasn't a superstar. He just meant a lot to us personally, right? Um, And even like, you know, Spezza, a few other good players, but we haven't had a superstar like Eric Carlson, someone who we can say like, this might be the best player in the NHL. He's at least the best defenseman in the NHL, right? Um, yeah, and just, he meant a lot to the community, too, and to the fans, uh, and it was just a joy to watch him on the ice all the time. I was always, I kept thinking, I'm so lucky that I get to watch Eric Carlson in his prime. If if nothing else, even yeah. if this team sucks, at least I get to watch Eric Carlson every night. We got to watch him yeah. pretty much single-handedly take a mediocre Senators team to within one goal in the Stanley Cup final, so yeah. that is amazing. And I think it's it's not like... Carlson is some jackass guy who like people really didn't like in the community. Like it seemed like he did a lot for the city and like him and him and Melinda did as well. And they, I mean, last week they were at that, um, what was it? It was a anti cyber bullying thing, I I believe. Um, so it seemed like they were involved in the community. They wanted to help people and it seemed like everyone really liked him as, as a person, not just as a player. And it just, it really sucks. I mean, I remember, I think, maybe end of 2014, I want to say. Yeah, I think it was end of 2014. Um, I was uh, I was getting a, a jersey to replace the Spezza one that I had because uh, he'd just been traded. <laughs> and, you know, I thought, okay, yeah. well, I'll get a Carlson one. He'll be he'll be probably here for the next decade. <sighs> yeah, yeah. And not even four years later, he's gone. So it's uh, it's going to be, like we had said, it's, it's going to be tough to, to move on from this. And... Um, like what? What is your favorite? Do you have a favorite Carlson moment, either on or off the ice? I think just the whole 2017 playoffs. That was amazing. Um, but yeah, it sucks. Like you said, we expected him to stay longer, right? Like when trade rumors started popping up, I was like, no, that's completely ridiculous. I like muted it on Twitter. I was like, no, <laughs> this isn't going to happen, right? And for me personally, um, I didn't get to see the beginning of Daniel Alfredson's career necessarily, right? Um, I just like I wasn't old <laughs> enough to I fully appreciate Daniel Alfredson throughout his entire career, but I've been watching Eric Carlson since he came into the league. I have watched almost every single game he's played in the NHL, and I always thought, you know, even though I only got to see the end of Daniel Alfredson's career, I'm going to get to see Eric Carlson's entire career with the Sens, right? And I just yeah. assumed that he would stay with the Sens for yeah. his whole career, retire a senator, all that, right? Oh, we went, you know. Alfredson had that one year in Detroit. We went wrong there, but Carlson, he'll stay with us, right? He'll yeah. stay for his whole career. It is, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> I don't, at this point, like, I don't expect anybody to, to stay with the team. And that's why it's hard to get optimistic about some of these prospects because it's like, well, you know, what if in eight years from now <laughs> they just get traded, right? Um, but I think, um, like, he's only 28 years old, and I would say it would be a no-brainer for the Senators to retire number 65. Do you think they will, and do you think they should? I mean, I think it depends what happens in the next few years, right? If, you know, Melnick sells in the next year and Eric Carlson signs with the Sens and comes right back, <laughs> obviously, right? If, if he plays out his whole career in, you know, San Jose or any other NHL team, I still think they'll retire his number just because of what he meant at the beginning. Hopefully by that point, Melnick will be gone. Um, yeah. But yeah, 
it's it's tough. You know, one thing I will say that is just that makes me really sad is that th- there's always players that played maybe like um or like they they ended up retiring like in the 2005 to 2010 range and say they might have played for maybe like the Leafs for the past the last like six seven years of their career and I always would like associate that player with playing for the Leafs even though he he might have played for a different team like for 10 years prior to that Carlson is going to be one of those guys where kids are growing up and they don't even know that he played for the Senators and that just makes me so sad I hadn't really thought of that but yeah yeah, that's so sad and just like the fact that we have to watch him in the NHL for the next few years, right? Like, you know, I keep comparing this to the Daniel Alfredson, Alfredson situation, and obviously that was very different and that was awful, but at least he was already rumored to be retiring, right? We were, yeah, exactly. He was 40, you know, I that think. That offseason, so. it wasn't, is he going to sign with the Sens or with another team? It was, is he going to play another season or not? And then yeah. he got the one season with Detroit and that was it. With Carlson, he's in his prime. He is going to play for other teams. And, you know, it's nice because he might get the chance to win a cup, even if it's not with Ottawa. But yeah, it's going to be really, really hard to watch him in the NHL with other teams. For sure. And I mean, I'm just thinking about it now, like a perfect um, comparison is Joe Thornton. Like, do you even remember him on the Bruins? Because he was on the Bruins for, I think, six, maybe even seven seasons. (laughs) No, I, I only yeah. know him as a shark. Yeah, so. exactly. So it's going to be the exact same thing yeah. for, for kids who are, you know, eight, nine years old right now. They're not even going to remember that he was on Ottawa. And that's just, uh, that really sucks. <laughs> it really, really sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that's enough depressing talk for today. And hopefully the listeners aren't bawling their eyes out right now. Um, but before we go, is there anything you want to plug here? Um follow me on twitter i guess my username is at c beata which is b-e-a-t-a and then e and i write for silver seven cents you can check out my stuff there i will still be writing there um for this season despite how sad i am about the sends <laughs> so you can go and read my game recaps and occasional editorials there all right well uh sounds good thanks for coming on beata thank you for having me As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cost for Pointcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and you can rate and review in those places as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at ShackTS, and be sure to read my articles at HockeyBuzz.com, which will be having lots of coverage, heading into training camp, and talking more about the Carlson trade as well. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, let me know. That's all for me. Adios. (laughs) 